0: How shall we start that?
1: I don't know. How about a good morning?
0: Good morning, or good day, or good evening.
1: Wherever you may be,
0: hello. Hello. My name is Perry.
1: And I'm Cynthia.
0: And today we're going to talk about... Allyship! Pride Superheroes Podcast. So tell me, Cynthia, what
1: is an ally to you? An ally? Well, they're a really nice person. (laughs) 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 Honestly, an ally is a really important person in my life, uh, simply because they actively um, try and create relationships um, with me and with others in my community based upon things like trust and consistency, So that you see this constant behavior of actually using privilege that they have that I don't in particular situations in order to help protect us as a community. Um, And it's not to speak up for us, um, although I'm sure we get, it is just simply that they are there. And I like to say they're, they're walking shoulder to shoulder with us, not in front and not behind. So that's, that's what an ally is. It's, a very, it's someone who's very active in doing those things.
0: You know, when you define it like that, I believe that I never had a real ally near me most of my life.
1: Well, most of my life, I didn't need allies because I didn't know until I was 50.
0: Well, yeah, that, that's a great reason. But if I think about my journey... At first, most of my life, I was in the closet. So I didn't share with others uh, about being gay. So no one could actually be an ally to me if I wasn't out, right? So when I stepped out, I saw that a lot of people chose to stand by me in my journey to create a better world.
1: Constantly. I think we see this all the time um, with people, especially after you go after you go through the coming out process, right? And that that's not to be outed by someone, just to be clear, right? That's where somebody else will will out you. So in my case, because I'm transgender, that they will out my former identity compared to my current identity in a public setting without my consent. And so in that process where I have quote outed myself that I felt safe enough. I felt in in a an environment where I could I could expose that part of me um, in order to create allyship. Because I always say it's much harder to create allies than it is enemies. And so the real work is taking someone who's clearly not an enemy, but might not understand. And you know that I talk about this idea of acceptance without understanding. So in allyship, it's somebody that hasn't quite decided if they're going to accept or not, but they're open to the idea. And we just need to have some dialogue that really helps them get to that place of, yes, I would like to be an ally. I want to support Cynthia.
0: I love it. And I wanted to share uh, a slightly different definition uh, published by uh, Sheree Atchison, who is a multi-award-winning global diversity and inclusion leader and in author, and she wrote in uh, uh, For- and she wrote in Forbes that an ally is any person that actively promotes and aspires to advance the culture of inclusion through intentional, positive, and conscious efforts that benefit people as a whole. And I love this definition because it first says that anyone can be an ally. But they can be, right? That's the power of it. Exactly. You just need to make a conscious choice. You are correct. And the other thing I like about this definition, that it sounds really simple, really easy, even natural to become an ally as long as you choose to be one and just stand by those who need you, those who need your help. All you have to do is stand by them and help them.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that that's so critical. But Perry, I mean, tell me from your life, from your experience, like why are allies so important?
0: Well, in my personal experience, um, allies, Um, are there for me when I need them most, uh, facing my challenges of uh, discrimination and uh, overcoming, uh, you know, specific challenges uh, such as uh, issues with friends. Uh, Since I grew up in a certain way of uh, being in the closet, I actually did not share uh, who I am with my friends. And so... All the relationships I had with friends were very, very, uh, were not so good, if you know what I mean. So, uh, yes, uh, my allies today helped me overcome such challenges and uh, also support me in my journey to uh, spread the word and help others uh, in my state.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important concept. The fact is, you know, allyship is not what they do when you're in the room. It's also what they do when you're not in the room, right? So when you're not there, are they still, quote, behaving in that way, recognizing their privilege, using it, and actively using it in order to continue protecting it? Um, I, I love what you said, because the word that resonated for me was the idea of belonging. Because allies, for me, create spaces where I feel I belong, and when I'm in spaces I belong, then I can thrive, right? And you know that I use Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where we go through, you know, um, the five levels until you get to self-actualization at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. And it's intriguing because belonging is at level three of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and so. The idea of belonging, needing to belong, wanting to belong in spaces, in places, is very natural for every single one of us. And and to me, that's important because when I talk about the idea of acceptance and I'm asking somebody to accept that I'm a human being, when they say yes, well, then Maslow's hierarchy of needs kicks in because every human being has these needs. And so it's a recognition of, yes, you're a human being and I know you have a need to belong. It doesn't mean that I need to belong with them. It means I need to find the people where I feel like I belong. And when I belong, I can thrive. And when I thrive, I'm giving back, I'm contributing. I am feeling valued in this world for what I'm able to bring. And therefore, that just raises up my ability to step outside my comfort zone into uncomfortable places
0: and grow. That is so true, Cynthia. And if we move to the corporate world, uh, to all those organizations and companies that talk a lot about allyship, why is it so important to cultivate allyship in corporations? What is your opinion about that?
1: Well, I mean, in my experience, a lot of organizations have this idea of, you know, they love checking boxes, right? And so one of the words they throw in at times is belonging that, you know, we create places that people feel they belong. And what a lot of organizations don't realize is that that actually has an intentionality about it. And the intentionality of creating spaces belong is that you really need allies to help create those spaces, right? It, it, people create spaces. It's not like, you know, you built a building and it's like, Ooh, that's a really inclusive place. No, no people And the people are part of a culture of the organization, which means you need to create intentional cultures that create spaces where people belong. So it's not simply a checkbox. If you do it, you actually have to be prepared to do the work because when people bring their whole authentic self to work, that's when they can truly, much like we just talked about, that's when they can truly thrive And they can excel and they can grow outside the box that you may perceive them in, in terms of a role, a job, um, a skill set. But if we don't do that, then we're not creating spaces that people belong and we're actually suffocating people because we're trying to stuff them in a box that might not fit. And that's why it's so important. How about for you?
0: Yeah. I think that aliaship is when the talking meets the walking, especially in companies, organizations, corporations. I think that um, a lot of them try to increase diversity, equity and inclusion, but they don't know what is the glue that uh, really bonds all these aspects together. And maybe it's a good time now to share a personal story When I was working for F5 Networks uh, I became the co-chair of the Pride Employee Inclusion Group Um, but that was only after I decided to share my personal story and that act of sharing uh, created a large engagement in the company and I built um, a group of 40 people, most of them not members of the LGBTQI community. Most of them were only allies. And that that struck me as, I was shocked by that because I imagined that, first of all, there will not be so many people. Yeah, we were like a group of uh, 400 employees in, uh, in this branch in Israel and uh, you know 40 people is 10% of the of the employees and that was a lot uh, to begin with but then when i saw that most of them are not members of the pride community uh, i was so i didn't understand that at first but then later i understood that this is exactly what we needed because we as uh, members of underrepresented groups didn't have the voice we needed and they helped us raise our voices. Oh,
1: that's wonderful. So, yeah, Terry, so- do you have any tips that, you know, that we should share with people like from your
0: experience? So, yeah, uh, well, as a matter of fact, this is my main tip. Uh, try to engage even one employee um, that could raise their voices and share their stories from the, any of the underrepresented groups. And that may lead to um, engagement of other allies. So, if I think back about what made me uh, uh, come out and share my story, it was a very engaging email sent by our CEO's CEO uh, Francois Locodono, uh, which I immediately answered and also sent him a picture of my family. And I wanted, and I told him that I wanted to share my story. And he said, "Go ahead, I will give you the stage." So this is my uh, main tip. Uh, do you have any tip and tricks of your own?
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, uh- they're they're rather simple. Um, The one is that I've learned that, you know, in being an ally, one of the things that you need to do is my mother would always say, you have two ears and one mouth, please use them in proportion. And you know, she was right. And so as an ally, we need to listen more than we speak. And what I find when when you think of speaking, There are moments where you want an ally to speak up, especially where you feel very oppressed and you you feel you're not belonging and so forth, that they can use the voice because you don't have a voice in that moment. Right. But what I talked about is stand shoulder to shoulder with me. Right. So you're, you're equal to me. Don't stand in front of me because then you take my voice and don't stand behind me. You know, that's when you get pity. You know, oh my gosh, I saw what happened. That's I'm so sorry. That's pity. Nobody needs pity, right? What we need is allies who are standing shoulder to shoulder with us in those moments. Do you have any
0: other tips, Perry? Oh, plenty, but I don't think we have time for that. Uh, But I would like to conclude this session and say that uh, when you implement diversity, equity, and inclusion in large corporations, it takes a lot of planning, but behind that planning, there's got to be heart and soul. And when we talk about aliaship, this is exactly the heart and soul of the diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is really the glue that makes those members of the underrepresented groups uh, feel at home and engaged to the workplace. And when they feel home, they want to see that home succeed in any way
1: well said thank you
0: okay so thank you everyone for listening and uh, see you on the next chapter bye everyone